What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the show. Another Friday, another episode of Why Are We Bullish? And uh, very excited for this panel today. We will dive into it momentarily. I'm uh, currently en route to Vancouver, halfway there. I'm in Kelowna right now, but I'm going to be doing a meetup there. Uh, I'm going to be seeing Jeff Booth for a little bit and uh, also going to be doing a workshop uh, on Saturday the 16th. So I will probably be seeing a few of you there. Uh, but nonetheless, very excited for today's show. Uh, of course, this is live. Anything can happen. So I defer to my friend Bill here. We'll do it live. Okay. We'll, no. we'll do it live. Fuck it. Do it live. I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live. And thing sucks. If you haven't already, like, subscribe, share. Uh, all those things really do help the show. Without further ado, I am Ben with the BTC Sessions. This is your daily session. Total the Bitcoin. Before we add in our guests, let's take a look at where we are in the market right now. We are sitting at $21,730 per coin. A single US dollar will pick you up 4,605 sats. 90.9% uh, of all Bitcoin have been mined. And in terms of fees, you are looking at ooh, a little spike, 24 sats per byte for the next block. But if you're waiting anything beyond that, one sat per byte. So temporary spike, but uh, just be conscious of it. RBF, all those kind of good things. Uh, shout out to sponsors of the show, shakebay.com. If you're in Canada, super easy way to be stacking sats, e-transfers in and out, no deposit or withdrawal fees. Uh, if you sign up with the link down below after your first $100 purchase, they'll give you 30 bucks for free. You also get 30 bucks every time you share your link and friends and family and sign up. You can shake your phone every single day for free sats. They've got SAS back Visa card, tons of ways to get extra Bitcoin. So check them out. Links are down below. Ledin.io, uh, you can use your Bitcoin for a bunch of different stuff. For me, it's always helpful if I have a cash flow issue and I need some dollars, but I don't want to sell my Bitcoin and incur that capital gains tax in the midst of that. Well, I can deposit Bitcoin here, get a loan within 24 hours to my bank account. And when I pay back that back, pay that back, I get back the same amount of sats. Of course, exercise caution, you know what's been going on lately. Uh, but if you're using responsibly, then you should be all right. Just be careful out there, folks. Uh, up next, we have bitrefill.com. These guys help me a ton living on Bitcoin. I can pick up any gift card my little heart desires with Bitcoin, both on-chain and via Lightning Network. Uh, you can also, if you're in the U.S., they are rolling out bill payments. So be sure to check them out. They are super awesome. Keystone, uh, super easy to use. Airgap hardware wallet, all done via QR code offline. Keeps, keeps to, keys to your money away from internet connection. Definitely upgrade to the Bitcoin only firmware. And it works awesome in multi-sigs, blue wallet, Sparrow, Spectre. Check them out. I have a full tutorial on that. And finally, if you're backing up any important Bitcoin wallet, check out the bill foddle over at privacypros.io. You can get your seed phrase in solid steel. Paper doesn't cut it. Fire damage, water damage, all that stuff. You guys know the drill. With that, I'm going to stop my rambling here and we're going to start bringing in our guests. We have the legendary Lynn Alden Corey and we've got NVK here. Uh, welcome team. Rodolfo, you made it. I was worried that you were uh, stuck with the Canadian internet outages. 
but it looks like there your, you go. your Woodland Citadel held up all right, did it? I uh, I scammed myself into a RV uh, uh, Starlink uh, dish, and I got a couple other dishes here from different companies just in case, but we'll see. You're, I should have known that you would be okay, given that you're the man who who broadcasts a Bitcoin transaction uh, with a ham radio through a snowstorm. So <laughs> I figured you'd you'd somehow make it here. But uh, uh, panel, welcome to the show. Thank you, everybody that's already watching. Um, let's do a quick round of intros before we get into it. Um, so just who you are and what you do. Um, let's go with Lynn first. Can you give yourself a little intro? Uh, sure. So I'm formerly an engineer, currently a, an analyst. I cover uh, broad markets, uh, and I've been pretty involved in, in Bitcoin analysis over the past uh, few years. Awesome. Well, I'm, I'm very excited to have you. I got to meet you for the very first time in Oslo uh, about a month and a half ago. So glad to glad to see you again. Um, let's uh, give it over to Rodolfo. Uh, I'm sure many people are no stranger as well, but uh, who are you? What do you do? Uh, I started CoinKite, uh, I don't know, God knows, like 12, 13, 14 years ago. <laughs> and uh, we make uh, hardware wallets and uh, a bunch of other Bitcoin products like the Block Clock and stuff. And, uh, you know, just Bitcoin is our life and uh, our life is Bitcoin. And uh, yeah, that's, that's us. I love it. I pre-ordered my Block Clock Micro. So I, and nice. I, I, I realized I didn't do a tutorial on the actual block clock mini that I have. So maybe that's something I should think about doing. Help the boomers. Know. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I feel I remember talking to you before and Max Kaiser had been messaging me being like, how the hell do I get this thing to work? Can it became a me? meme. I, I offered to fly one of our, our support guys to New York to help uh, Stacy, but they refused. So I, now they just have a dead <laughs> block clock me that just travels with them it's, it's absolutely like, ridiculous but hey you know what I, I love them so <laughs> i feel like a dick because i totally ghosted them on that stacy like re-dm'd me and was like can you help us with this i was like yeah sure and then just totally forgot to yep. respond once <laughs> so anyways sorry guys uh <laughs> and let's jump to Corey. Corey, can you give yourself a little intro sure hey everyone i'm bullish i'm glad to be here and uh I'm the founder and CEO of Swan Bitcoin, and uh, as importantly now, uh, getting ready to host along with the Swan Squad and a bunch of other folks, uh, the Pacific Bitcoin Conference this fall, November 10th and 11th in Los Angeles at Santa Monica Airport. So that should be super fun. I feel like that's like half my job right now. <laughs> so I'm, I'm kidding. Ready for the conference. I, I would really love to make it down. I'm going to be in LA as of this 17th, but maybe it's worth coming a little early to 17th of november you're coming here yeah oh yeah you need to come earlier <laughs> even if you have to like round trip down to uh little conf or whatever i know latin american conference is like yeah two or three yeah. days after ours, give yourself a week to go through to pearson airport yeah, yeah exactly oh, God. anyway <laughs> ensuing years the plan is for it to be the last week of september instead of november um right. so hopefully we'll we'll get that locked down we just couldn't get the venue that we wanted for this year but in future years we want to be that that last week of september i'll see if i can make it happen oh yep. i'm sure my wife is listening from the other room being like she, where she are we going now? Now, right? she wants to come she wants to come <laughs> yeah so awesome well uh thank you all for being here everybody watching of course uh, this is why are we bullish? If you're unfamiliar, really, really simple premise to the show. We all come with a reason for being bullish. Uh, and we're going to go by the three R's. Basically, somebody's going to drop their reason. 
give a little explanation. Then all together, we're going to riff on that reason. And then third, we're just going to rotate to the next person till we all get a turn. Really, really simple. Um, and we'll just let the conversation take us where it takes us. Uh, so I'm going to get us started today. And I wanted to, I wanted to share um, something that I found to be kind of funny, uh, at least somewhat amusing to me. Uh, and that was the St. Louis Fed. They, they drop a blog and the blog was graphs on inflation and deflation while considering the US dollar, Bitcoin and the gold standard and a fixed money supply. So I just wanted to read a couple things from it. And here's the first graph, first of all. And so this graph, the way it measures is it's basically uh, based on the unit um, a year prior. So obviously when you know we had massive deflation uh, in terms of price, and, and they're not talking about this in terms of money supply. They're obviously referring to it as, uh, I suppose, purchasing power. But, you know, we had our, our spike in 2017, and then they considered the, the massive uh, come down from that spike uh, into late 2018 as, as inflation. And so they obviously juxtapose that to the steady but positive inflation with the U.S. based on CPI, which I think many would consider to be underreported uh, <laughs> over the long term. So, like, you know, there's basically this graph where it's it's two flat lines together and just eking up a little bit in the corner as we get to our like 8.6 percent inflation in in May. And then they have this wildly fluctuating chart with Bitcoin. So the part I wanted to read, uh, they said. Uh, in the United States, we typically pay for goods with U.S. dollars, hence the Consumer Price Index looks at a basket of goods priced in U.S. dollars, but what if the CPI were priced in Bitcoin? Uh, and it shows those rates in the, the, above, uh, the above chart. Um, it says, even our currently high inflation rate in U.S. dollars is dwarfed by the towering peaks of the inflation rate in Bitcoin, not to mention Bitcoin's wild gyrations. Never in the history of the US dollar has the inflation rate reached the heights that Bitcoin has on several occasions in a few years. Bitcoin also exhibits severe deflations. That's problematic for a currency used for transactions. With deflation, consumers expect goods to become less expensive and thus wait to buy which can lead to a collapse of the economy. Given the dollar has been available and not deflating, there was no economic collapse. To be clear, Bitcoin is used very little for traction transactions anyway, maybe because of these repeated deflations. So, <laughs> I mean, a couple things here. Number one, the reason that I, this is my reason for being bullish is that this blog even exists. Um, because if, had you gone back even five years, you know, even uh, maybe even less than that, but you know, if you were to see this 2014, 2015, people would have, their minds would have been blown that it, it granted enough brain power of the fed to even consider it. Um, and it always reminds me of that, that saying, and I'm sure plenty of people bring it up in context of this, but first they ignore you, then they laugh at you, then they fight you, then you win kind of thing. And it seems like with things like this, we're getting, we're, we're seeing inklings of that. Then they fight you kind of phase, you know, when you see something like this, this isn't an, an ignore. And this 
is maybe a little mix of laughing and fighting because Bitcoin continues to persist and they've created the charts in such a way that the general message seems to be they're, they're, they're not properly showing the purchasing power of Bitcoin over time. Like they're, they're manipulating graphs in such a way that people would assume, oh, look at that massive inflation and that spike up to whatever, how many hundreds of percent based on the previous all-time high in late 2017. Um, so it just seems like a, I, I'm not sure if this is a malicious thing or if there's a, some genuine sentiment of, somebody at the fed is thinking like, Oh, we have to protect people and, and, and inform them of how crazy this asset is. I don't know. Um, but nonetheless, it, it oddly enough makes me bullish that this chart even exists and that the, the St. Louis fed is, is creating blogs like this. Um, because over time, the fact that you can easily pull this data on the feds website and you can make it reflect <laughs> things the way that you want them to be reflected over time. I believe that uh, these charts will look increasingly bad on the fed's behalf. So I don't know. I'm, I'm going to open it up there. I just, I found this very amusing this week and, and I wanted to get your thoughts on it. So maybe, I'll, maybe I'll go to Lynn. Did, have you seen this before? Did you see this? I think it dropped yesterday. I didn't see it till you mentioned it. Uh, they actually, I think they did something about eggs price in Bitcoin the yes. other month. Yes. Yeah, I think yeah. so. They, they, they've, seen, they've been playing around with their chart. They, they've actually had that Bitcoin data for, I think, a couple of years now. I'm not sure when they initially added it. Um, I know it goes back, you know, reasonably far, maybe half of Bitcoin's lifetime. I'm not sure when they added that. Um, but it, it is funny that they're kind of, you know, doing those sorts of experiments. And I, I think you're, you asked the right question. Is it, is it malicious or is it, is it just genuine? You know that's that's their that's their actual analysis. Um, I think it probably depends on who at the Fed did that. I mean, I think that there are a lot of people with their models, and they they do think that it'd be terrible for currency to get stronger over time. And there's a lot of academic models that that look at that, and that's that's their their general uh, that's like their genuine opinion on on how the world works. Um, but this also could have been written by someone who's like, let me just purposely make it. So that it looks like Bitcoin's not really growing over time, that it has these random spikes of inflation and deflation. Uh, and of course, it's somewhat disingenuous because it's this tiny little asset that's in the process of monetizing and trying to find its total addressable market. And so it's going to be extremely volatile in either direction. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it, Again, I think over time, uh, it, it, will, it will age poorly for them. Um, but, but we will see. You're right. It's, it's so early to be to be comparing a a uh, the length of a, a reserve currency to an asset that's been around for 13 years and is is just slowly being adopted by a small number of people in relation to uh, <laughs> the, all all people on the planet. Right. So I don't know. I, Corey or or Rodolfo, do you guys have thoughts on this? What what did you think when you saw it? I, I mean. You know, you know, CPI has nothing to do with consumers, right? It's just indexation for pensions. So, <laughs> you know, what the fuck happened in 1971 really sort of gets down to the bottom of this, which is they keep on having to adjust CPI to so that it does not track consumer goods, so that they don't have to adjust liabilities, pensions, you know. Um, 
And and I mean, you know, the World Factbook had uh, you know M ones there for a while too, where Bitcoin started making too much noise there, and they took it out, which is kind of fun too. Bitcoin has this weird thing where since the very beginning, it had an outsized amount of impact uh, on mainstream. Since the very, very, very beginning, right? Even when it was just like, you know, a few people sort of like meeting over IRC because that's how you found your rate for Bitcoin to meet at Starbucks to exchange cash for. Um, it had this weird outsize just because it, there really is nothing like it. And, 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 and it has grown to an amount of computation power in terms of defense that, it, you know, what is it now? Like a hundred times all the world's computation combined kind of thing. Like it's some stupid, stupid number. How, how can you not address the big Bitcoin elephant in the room, right? On anything you talk about economics, you have this thing that refuses to die and is overprotected by all the computation in the world. It, it just keeps on like, you know, refusing to comply. Like it, it, it is... It is government in central planners worst nightmare. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Corey, what about you? Your thoughts? It's bullish. I love when people start a data series or time series and trying to dunk on Bitcoin over some, you know, zoomed in time frame. And then like very soon it just comes to bite them in the ass as Bitcoin does what Bitcoin does. And then all of a sudden they have to either pull the time series and look like an idiot or all of a sudden they're selling Bitcoin. Well, it's, it's the, it's the, this is like the, the Rubini of, of fed blogs, right? Yeah. Like this is, this is, this is going to be the, the, uh, I rest my case kind of look back moment. I, 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 I hope everybody has screenshotted that, uh, <laughs> to look back on, but, um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't think this is the last we're going to see of it. Uh, even even here in Canada, everybody's looking at this from such a a a high time preference way of thinking, and so you know you have um, here in Canada Pierre Polyev running for running for office. He's probably going to be the the head of the Conservative Party here, and then run in the election for Prime Minister. Well, I mean, he's spoken about Bitcoin, and you know, unfortunately, the timing for him in the market has not been the best part because now everybody's Oops. coming and yeah, currently, right. <laughs> everybody's trying to come and, and, and dunk on him for mentioning and being favorable to Bitcoin throughout the past year saying, Oh, you would have lost X number of percent. Now the, on the bright side of this is he's probably going to clinch that nomination for, for the conservative party and all the people that have dunked on him, like there's not going to be a Canadian election, uh, assuming that uh, Trudeau remains aligned with the NDP. Uh, there won't be another election in Canada till 2025. How I silly. At least, at least six months we're, we're safe. It's, they're not going to break government for at least another six months. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, it, it, it's I'm, I'm almost glad to see people making those short, those low, uh, those high time preference dunks on him. Because I think it, it comes back to bite them in the ass sooner rather than later. And he's going to look like a very smart man in a, in a you know, <laughs> maybe like a year or two uh, 
in a, in a few years, if it's 2025, when we have that election, he's going to look like a genius. I imagine. Remember when Draper bought the Silk Road coins <laughs> and everybody was like, are you, are you stupid? Are you spending, what was this, $600 per coin? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, who would do that? Why are you buying all these drug dealers coins? Right. I mean, yeah. And, and for a while he looked to out to people on the outside he looked like an absolute moron for an extended period of time for you know like a year a year and a half people could consistently say he's lost money he's lost money until he really didn't lose money <laughs> so yeah well we will see but uh uh if anybody wants to check that out um you can just go to at st louis fed on twitter and you can find uh the link to that article there it's worth it's worth a read it goes on a little bit further beyond that but that was kind of the meat that i wanted to touch on um i'm gonna give us a rotation here but i gotta give a shout out to uh somebody in the chat that i haven't chatted with for quite a bit but uh shout out to vortex uh legendary bitcoiner uh large part of my education back in the day uh to get me thinking critically and uh and lean me towards the heading that I'm on now. So uh, massive respect to Vortex. He um, was over at World Crypto Network uh, and then uh, Cryptocast Network. He went off on his own for a while, but he was putting out just incredible content. Uh, and then he gradually and slowly bowed out and is now pursuing his other passions. But love the guy. Uh, did a, a solid to many early Bitcoiners out there. So glad to see him in here. So cheers. Um, with that, uh, let's let's do a rotation. So um, I'm going to uh, pop it over to uh, Lynn here, and I'm going to let you have your rant. I try to keep my my topics a little condensed here, but I'm going to let you have uh, your little rant here. I'm wondering what is on your mind. What have you been excited, interested about in and around Bitcoin the last little bit here? So I'll say what I'm bullish on is the Oslo Freedom Forum. Uh, that makes me bullish on Bitcoin. And so, I, Ben, you were there. I was there. Uh, you said it's about a month and a half ago, I think, or you know, a little less. And what struck me about that is that you basically have a, you have a human rights forum a, a foundation that they, they throw this annual uh, conference, and it's, it's been going on for over a decade. Uh, and it's just about human rights around the world. It's not a Bitcoin conference. It's, it's you know, but they will, you know, the, their chief strategy officer is Alex Gladstein, and they'll use whatever tools make sense for their mission, which is to spread human rights, you know, basically freedom of speech, freedom of expression, uh, basically having, you know, say in how people live their lives. And so, for example, the way I've described it recently is like, you know, they'll, they'll use VPNs as a, as a tool for, you know, moving around hostile networks and, you know, getting data in and out where it needs to be. And they'll use Bitcoin now. Uh, when you're operating in hostile financial networks. And so there's really two sides of Bitcoin. One is the long-term inflation protection that you're buying into something with a finite amount of units rather than an unknowable increasing amount of units. Um, and so considering how much of the world lives in persistent double-digit inflation, sometimes triple-digit inflation or higher, uh, you know, basically a lot of people think of them in developed market terms. But if you actually look globally, you know, most currencies are worse than the dollar. And so it's, it, it gets more bullish kind of the further out of the periphery you go from the global reserve currency. So there's, there's the inflation protection. And then number two is the censorship resistant transactions. Uh, and so, you know, you know, prior to lightning, I mean, Bitcoin was not really meant for 
a billion people paying with coffee with it. The whole point is it's like a it's like a tank of, of payment methods. It goes through hostile terrain, uh, and that that's yeah, basically what it's designed to do. And so the Human Rights Foundation will use it for that type of purpose. That basically, you know, I got to meet people from Nigeria that you know they're protesting the government on police violence. The bank accounts were frozen. You know, you don't have strong rule of law. And so what do they do? They turn to Bitcoin and they, they, they start using peer-to-peer money and self-custodial money and basically going, you know, routing around the problem. Uh, and that, that was basically true for just activists around the world. And so there was kind of one, it was hearing people share their stories about various sorts of financial infringements on their lives that, that are often don't involve the rule of law or that involve authoritarian types of, of situations. Um, and then number two is they also would have privacy experts there. Uh, teach human rights activists how to use Bitcoin more privately and how, well, first of all, just how to use Bitcoin. And then number two, how to use, how to use it more privately if possible, how to use it for, uh, you know, when you, you need a little bit more sensitivity with it. And also hearing back from human rights activists, what, what do you need? Like, what are the frictions that you've encountered? How, how, you know, what types of products and services would make this work for you better? Because obviously we've, we found, I mean, Bitcoin still has limitations in the current form of, of privacy and, you know, there's always ways to make it better on it, especially on various layers and things like that. There are ways to, you know, at, you know, around the whole ecosystem, ways that, that can improve over time. And so for me, that's that gets down to fundamentals. That that's kind of what Bitcoin's here for. Uh, it's not just for speculating and for moving the price around and for people in developed markets, you know, adding it as a five percent slice in their portfolio. It's it's actually on the ground. You know, it has real world implications, and, and people have been using it for at least a decade for some of those purposes. I mean, Roya, Roya Maboub of Afghanistan was using it in 2013 because women didn't have the greatest banking access there, right? So there's all sorts of reasons in the world why people use Bitcoin. And something like 50% of the world is classified to live in authoritarian or semi-authoritarian regimes. And so that's, there's a gigantic market out there for peer-to-peer money and Bitcoin to the best by far. You know, the decentralized, the one we have, the one that's huge, the one that's been here, the one that's gotten through all these tests. And so I'm super bullish on what it can do for all these people around the world as they get more and more familiar with what it can do for them. Uh, yeah, it was it was a hell of a, an event to, to be at. It was super interesting to see the different ways that people were utilizing it. Um, I know you and I had a, a chat while we were there uh, about some of the privacy implications and kind of what happened here in Canada, even as a fundraising mechanism and, you know, the clear mistakes that were made early on in terms of privacy. Um, but the interesting thing about how, how all of this has kind of come to light, especially for me through the, through the freedom forum there was, um, I met uh, I met a girl who I ended up having on the show with Jeff Booth recently named Luda and uh, she was from Poland and um, she works uh, with uh, a group that's basically working in like post-Soviet states trying to ensure like rule of law and and, uh, you know, help protesters whenever there's breaches of of human rights and so on and so forth. Um, And so she wanted to get uh, protective equipment into Ukraine. Um, early on uh, in in the conflict. So helmets, vests, stuff like that, just so people could protect themselves, basically. And also a lot of people that wanted to just leave were were basically forced to stay 
and and fight. So those people she wanted to be able to <laughs> to to not just immediately be killed, kind of thing. Um, so she wanted to get all this equipment in, and she went through fiat rails to try and do that, or was attempting to look at how that would happen. And it was going to take weeks just to get if the, you get it. Yeah, if you get it. Yeah, and and she had bank accounts shut down in the process of doing things like this many times. Um, she saw the Canadian trucker protest and she looked and saw that Bitcoin was raised. And even though some of it was confiscated in the end, um, just a, a, a poor planning and timing, uh, a, a number of factors added to that, but 70% of it still got directly into the hands of individual people that it was intended for. Um, and it wasn't unable to be frozen as long as it was given to those people had certain, uh, you know, privacy measures uh, been ensured, then all of it would have gotten there and there would have been no even attempting to track it. She saw the, the protests and the fundraising and approached me and Jeff at the event and said, hey, I used that and took notes from that and used it as a blueprint so that I could use Bitcoin to get that protective equipment, she got it into Ukraine on day two of the conflict because of that, which was pretty astounding to hear. And, and it's funny because, you know, you jump on Twitter and you see, I, I would say there's there's some political divide in those two particular issues, you know, uh, but nonetheless, it doesn't matter because Bitcoin is an apolitical tool that anybody can use. And so uh, she saw an opportunity, she used it and it worked. Um, and we see that from a lot of people and, and you, you touched on two different points there, the, the, the protecting your, your purchasing power and the, the censorship resistant nature of it. Um, I was speaking with a, a, a woman from Nicaragua and she was trying to raise money down there. She came to a, a one-on-one class that I did in Oslo on getting your first wallet, learning how to transact, learning how to use lightning even, um, and so she came up and asked some questions afterwards and we were getting on the topic and she was asking about, Oh, what about, you know, somebody told me to use this coin or this coin. And I, you know, I kind of gave her the, gave her the, the TLDR um, of why Bitcoin and why not other things potentially. Um, but then I, I got to the point about, well, also there's, it's a cap supply. So there's, you know, there, there's only going to be this many and her, she stopped me and she said, wait, what? There's no, there's no like unlimited supply. Like it's, there's never going to be more than this number. She had no idea. She was using it just from the censorship resistant angle, but being from Central America, she heard cap supply and her eyes lit up. She was like, this is useful in an entirely different way than I was initially drawn to it uh, for. And it, it's, it's amazing to see, people in in places where yeah they need the censorship resistance but then they recognize the the value and power behind um not being able to inflate a currency uh for political gain and for other reasons you know in brazil we had like what like three four currency fails and they did bail in through every one of them <laughs> so like <laughs> it hits both points home like right away it's like oh yeah you're hyperinflating my money and you're taking a huge cut from my savings immediately right <laughs> it, it, it's just bitcoin is so obvious 
uh, for people outside of North America. It, it's not even funny. Um, yeah. The volatility is harder, right? If you don't have a huge float. Yeah. Uh, but but uh, the, the other aspects of Bitcoin do become uh, very obvious very fast. <laughs> do you have have you had a number of people from like Brazil, from different parts of the world? Like obviously you do so, a lot of different Bitcoiners, right? In Brazil, more people own crypto. Uh, unfortunately, that's the research. So I'm going to quote it as is. Mm. Uh, then they own stocks. So, so like because you know Brazil has capital controls on dollars still to this day. Most South America does. Um, you can't just buy stocks because most stocks are dollar denominated, dollar traded, right? Dollar everything. Uh, you know those are U.S. certificates. The majority of them. So. You know, people like the average person, like, what do you mean you own stocks? <laughs> like, you know, like, where do you go to buy stocks? Like, it's a lot more complicated than Bitcoin is when you think about it, right? Like, who's the broker who owns the certificates, right? Like, all this stuff that is fairly trusted just because you have rule of law in North America disappears immediately outside of North America. Like, you can't own stocks because you can't own those tiny little small amount certificates. So, it, it, you know, when it came to, to Bitcoin and, and the rest of the crap, uh, um, you know, people can just go and buy it by themselves and have it. Uh, so, so it did become, like, a much much bigger uh, 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 like market immediately uh, uh, for it. Um, yeah, and I mean, like this thing's exploded in Brazil. They they really do. It is. I, I see your wife uh, going like very slow. <laughs> She's not sneaking at all. She's no, like, that was great. That was great. <laughs> she was almost doing the stairs. <laughs> She's like low key messaging me. I think he's crying, but I gotta come. I'm like, just go. Yeah, you, you gotta do with them. I got little ones too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's it's. I mean, it's unfortunate that uh, it's it's crypto. Uh, but I mean, is it? What do you think? The reason for the the uh, crypto quote unquote adoption is it is it just like a, a general symptom of most people don't understand that. I mean, stocks, and... equities in general make absolute no fucking sense, right? Why are you gonna buy thirty two x revenue? something like they're not going to make 32x revenue in the next five years like like the math on equities unless you're a trader or you know what you're doing and you're just essentially like you know uh, uh swapping certificates for a profit like it, it makes absolute no economical sense to buy stocks right especially when you're coming from this the, the sense where like there's a much higher friction on that stock purchase right or the equities purchase in general so um, when you have something that's like literally like zero friction, like like Bitcoin and, and the shit coins are, um, now you, you have something that people can go and buy a fraction off with just like, you know, their float and their floats much smaller. Right. We're talking about people that may have like an extra, you know, 100 bucks worth of dollars per month in, in their discretionary sort of like investment or, or like gambling uh, 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 portfolio, so 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 they they'll go and buy this, right? And and, and the average person uh, uh, is not an idiot, 
right? I love the it's it's like the 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 bell curve meme. You know, you have you have the the dimwits and you have the the sulfites, and the then you have everybody. You know, you have all the professional class in the middle. Uh, you know, the majority of the people totally get it. It's a fucking scam out there, and 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 you know, they want to get into the scam. But but they can't afford to get into the scam because you know they want their cut, right? People want to be able to buy a, a nice TV and have a nice barbecue on Sunday and save some money, right? So with with Bitcoin and, and the gambling versions of Bitcoin, um, they they can get in, right? They can get a piece of of what the first world people have access to. That that's like incredible for them. Like it it, it totally is like like mind melting that you can buy five bucks of a stock to, to a person outside of here. Cause they literally had nothing like buying dollars is already hard enough. Right. So if you go to official dollar, you have to pay South American countries have an official dollar rate. <laughs> that is not the dollar rate. And it's so stupid that they have the official parallel dollar rate. So wait, they have official, the official non-official on the newspaper every day. Uh, main, <laughs> mainstream newspaper. And then you have the Dolittles, right? Like the guys who sell dollar for cash or whatever. And it's a completely different rate. So, the so fact that, yeah. explain the explain the official and the unofficial because isn't that just like the lie and the truth? Is no, that... <laughs> no, no. You have you have the official lie, and yeah. then you have the sanction. Sorry, you have and then you have the the sanction uh very, very massage truth. <laughs> right and then you have the street price which is not reported yeah. by the newspapers of course right so so i'm not going to be going into the streets of brazil with a newspaper pointing at the raid saying i want this one it's not going to work yeah out no not going to happen yeah um no it, it, and it's, it's it's just so fascinating to me that like you know the, the volatility is very hard and that that is essentially the biggest hurdle for uh developing world and and let's call it sort of like what what PayPal calls it calls it ROW rest of the world. Uh, it, it, it it's unattainable, right? To to deal with this kind of volatility. So like they can buy little bits and sort of hold, but uh, that's why they're so starved for the stable coins, right? Because then they get the censorship resistant, mostly because that market is irrelevant to regulators because it's too tiny, but. They get to have dollars that they can buy, which is the best shit coin is the dollar. Um, and then they, they can at least like hold that without permission in their like harder wallet, kind of. Uh, but but it, it, it's a, it's an inch forward, right? I mean, we, we, yeah, it's a huge, it's a huge, huge deal for them to be able yeah. to do that, yeah. Corey, what are your thoughts on on Bitcoin outside of the first world and, and how it's being used in instances of tyrannical governments or to, to evade wealth? Like Canada. <laughs> Man. Yeah, I mean, I, obviously, I, I look at this most of the day through the lens of sort of timing of adoption of different aspects of Bitcoin as we understand them today and kind of looking at ways that it, it may be used in the future. And so I'm following very closely just that the rest of world 
seems very likely to charge up the S-curve on medium of exchange use cases for Bitcoin faster than the Western world. I think that seems pretty obvious, whereas, you know, the store of value use case was kind of led by, by the Western world and, and the U.S. And, and, you know, people treating it as an investment and number go up and all of that. So I just find that super fascinating. It's the reason that I started uh, El Zonte Capital with uh, Max and Stacy. Uh, it's the reason that it seems like the majority of my own personal investments and investments of Bitcoin or ventures seem to be kind of in early lightning startups and medium of exchange startups, because, you know, that's that's where I'm super bullish on on placing bets now. I think broadly, if you look at sort of the globe, including all of, you know, developed world and, and developing world. I think you're minimum four or five way, years away from sort of kind of some kind of inflection point for Bitcoin as medium of exchange. But that's that's like a broad measure. It doesn't mean that certain localities like, you know, Bitcoin Beach and obviously the things going on in Nigeria and you're hearing just little stories pop up all over the place and all these people just copying what the crew did down in El Zonte and trying to do that in their own little areas. And, just talk to somebody that's uh, that's trying to get all of the merchants in Goa to light up. Um, you know, obviously there's some stuff going on with uh, Costa Rica. You've got Dredd traveling around the world, doing stuff in Jamaica and trying to spark things. You got Mark Moss doing things all over the place. So I think that's uh, it's really exciting to see kind of what's going on there. Um, I love what Galoy in particular is doing is among my portfolio companies. I think they're doing some really interesting things. And then obviously, uh, you know, Breeze is out there innovating and, and kind of going more of the platform route and letting a lot of other people build on top of their lightning infrastructure and kind of making sea lightning more useful, which I think will be instrumental for companies like Swan that aren't 100% focused on lightning, but want to have awesome lightning functionality in our app soon. Well, now we can build on top of Breeze on top of Blockstream and have something dope and market with a self-custody lightning wallet with no KYC that everyone around the world can use in the damn Swan app. And then if you want to buy from us, yeah, sure. Obviously you got a KYC. So like those types of things that let a thousand flowers bloom because you've got that, like that infrastructure layer of, of the different implementations of lightning. And then now you've got that second layer of the people that then make that easier to use and can actually uh, make it very easy for all kinds of FinTech apps to um, to get those um, out in market. Like we're so close to this inflection point of just lightning being freaking everywhere. And, you know, we're doing a lot of integrations for a lot of the lightning apps because we can take dollars straight from a bank account and have it show up in a, in a lightning wallet through, a, you know, just our, our system and submarine swaps and what we do with Prime Trust on the back end and everything. And so it's going to be an easy on-ramp for so many of these companies where they don't also have to build an on-ramp. We can do that. And then, yeah, I'm, I'm just excited for kind of the explosion of services. And whereas this will be when it really, really takes off because my, my original framework for like medium of exchange taking off is, okay, a lot of people have to have been in Bitcoin with conviction buying for like eight to 10 years. And when that cohort is large enough that you know, they've been around and now 90 to 95% or more of their net worth is in Bitcoin. And that's all they have to spend. That consumer demand is what uh, pulls innovation out of the entrepreneurs because they can make money doing that. 
the reason that it, we may accelerate a lot faster than that, because that would put sort of medium of exchange inflection point somewhere between like 2025 and 2030. It could happen a lot faster if new use cases come faster. And Bitcoin is actually used in novel new ways, just like we couldn't imagine doing what we're doing right now back in 1993 or something like that. So if there are just things that build on top of these layers of infrastructure the way I'm talking about so that a thousand companies can have a lightning wallet and can use lightning in novel ways and then just be creative about, you know, L and URLs and, uh, you know, stable coins on lightning or whatever the different things are, things we won't even think of today that will literally exist in like 24 months. Because you're going to be able to raise money from one of these 15 heading toward 30 Bitcoin VCs that all want to do layer two, layer three stuff. And you're going to be able to launch with something in like three to six months after company formation with a guy and a girl, like a CTO and a CEO, like just getting started on something. And you'll be in market with something in 2023, building on top of these, these two layers of like the, the foundational sort of lightning implementations. And then these kind of middleware guys, like the, uh, the voltages and the, and the breezes and these guys. And so I just think that's going to be super exciting. I wish that I had more time to spend on it. I'd probably, if I came into Bitcoin right now um, and not five years ago, I think that's what I would be spending all, all my time on. And I'm excited to you know play a small part in it with some of the stuff we can do at Swan and at least funding these, some of these companies. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm, really excited about uh lightning and bitcoin being being spent and then used in other ways yeah you know so uh, go, go ahead. yeah so it, it's pretty cool that you you mentioned that because that's happening in the hardware space now with the nfc stuff as well right so you know realistically speaking you know most wallet makers can't can't do the hardcore you know, security uh, of the funds on the actual like app wallet, right? And you know, rest of the world, majority of the world is going to be phone first. So, um, what we're trying to do now is you have this tap signer cards like the Nunchuck uh, demo did, right? Like it's a cheap NFC card that has a Bitcoin private key in it. So, you can blind sign, so you can open and close channels, you can authenticate your app without the private key being in the app. So if you're in a, in a country where you have a shitty government, right? Like your keys are not on the phone either. So now they have to go after your phone keys in a different card as well. And then you have like BDK for the wallet stuff. You have uh, uh, Coinkite's uh, uh, NFC tap stuff. You start pulling all these things together and, and any company with a more interesting business uh, idea and sort of like business plan can build with better building blocks of technology, right? Because building the, the very little sort of like hard parts of this is just, it's, it's, it's not realistic for most startups, right? Most startups cannot build secure apps, cannot build the hardware, cannot do this stuff and cannot have the integrations with some of the, 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 the liquidity providers or, or the other stuff. So, you start putting these things together and the magic and the value is is added by that entrepreneur in that specific locality uh, with a specific pain. Uh, that to me is, is sort of like what's really cool that's coming in this next cycle. Let's put it this way. 
There's there's so much happening right now, and I I love in the bear markets because that's when every shit everything gets, gets built. Yeah, it's it's when shit gets done, right? And and everybody's so surprised when the next bull market comes along because there's so much. Oh wow, all this stuff is here. Well, that's because when you weren't around, everybody was busy. Everybody was doing shit. Like I've got, counting their money, right? Like it's I, like the price of Bitcoin goes up. Everybody's just counting their money. Yeah, I, I'm. <laughs> Rodolfo, I don't. I have okay. a problem here because I've been collecting, and uh, like you know, I did my I did my my cold card video the other day. But holy shit, like the the number of and and I'm not just you know, placating you because you're on the show, but like the, the amount of shit that is packed into a cold card, the, the amount of features is, is kind of mind blowing. Like the, the BIP 85 stuff that is capable in there. Like you can have, and I'm not, I'm unsure if Lynn or Corey is familiar with kind of the ins and outs of what's possible there, but basically you can have a parent seed um, that you, you know, you create in your cold card. But then you can create like child seeds from that up to 10,000 of them for a single device. And so effectively, those are all their own wallets. They all have their own seed phrases. Um, and it's, you can't work backwards to find the original parent seed. But this is all the backup you need for 10,000 different wallets in a single place. Um, and you can always recover as long as you know, like the numbered account of, of which you know, one through 10,000 or sorry, rather zero through nine, 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 um, which one it was. So, I mean, it's just the amount of versatility, like the trick pin stuff that you've got in here where it's like, oh, rather than here's a duress pin, it's like, if you type this pin, then this happens. Like if then, then all of those instances, the versatility with stuff like that is, is pretty amazing. And, and so it just, you know, we were just trying to like this already exists like you know we have banks with vaults with people in them and and there is this thing called the delta pin so if you do a delta of the last did the last two digits and you add that extra number um you know in a in a bank situation it rings the alarm Mm-hmm. Right. Like and the, a silent alarm and the police comes. So like we're like, wait, why don't we have Delta pins on a harder wallet? Right. Like all this stuff, lockdown timers and things. And oh. we're just trying to get people to like do this stuff in a way that that's like reasonable, but also has sort of like infinite possibilities. Right. Because mm-hmm. you don't want the attackers to know. I know that you have a. a, a uh, uh, um, uh, how do you call it? Like a duress pin. So I'm going to beat you a little further, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, now, yeah. if you have infinite possibilities, well, now the guy is, you know, he's going to have to spend too much time. But- yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, I mean, there's there's so much going on through through these bear markets. There's so much being built and and it's being used in so many unique ways. And and as we're talking about, you know, Bitcoin in the with Lynn's topic in the, in the context of, of, people in other parts of the world where they need these various tools for different reasons. And there, there's so much great stuff being built and so many tools that are available. Um, I'm so confident that, you know, if, if you, if you go back to 2017 for scaling, when we started the year with nothing, there was literally no on-chain or off-chain scaling uh, apart from custodial 
<laughs> and then we got on-chain scaling and now we have Lightning Network five years later. I literally use Lightning Network every single day right now. I know that's not the case for everybody, but I do and I can, which is amazing to me. Um, and on-chain has also incorporated a, a number of different things that help, you know, a lot of people have started batching transactions. Thank Christ, you know, Coinbase, blockchain.info, I'm looking at you. Uh, or uh, rather BitPay, I think. I don't know. Exchanges. US BitPay. BitPay, yeah. US you know, BitPay. people finally, blockchain.info, finally getting SegWit like five years after the fact. <laughs> like, I guess, you know, hooray. I, but, you know, it, things have happened and progressed and it kind of happened in the quiet of a bear market. And so these tools are going to continue to be built and, and be better and in the context of human rights, um, they're going to be more and more useful, not just for people like us that get to collect hardware wallets, but for people that actually need this stuff and it's a matter of life and death, I think it's going to be important. So um, with that, I'd like to kind of wrap this topic and uh, segue into the next. Before I do, I just want to give a quick shout out because my favorite person is here. Uh, <laughs> he is a longtime fan of the show. For, for quite some time, he was here literally every Friday, sometimes hours in advance. He hates Bitcoin, but he's here every Friday. <laughs> and uh, his name is David Wong. He always comes in just to let us know how wrong we are about Bitcoin. Uh, so David, thank you for being here. He wants you guys to know that he uses his MasterCard and Visa every day, and it's super fast. So David, I appreciate you. Thank you for your comments. Never change. Please come back every Friday. Uh, but with that, I'm going to segue to Corey. Uh, Corey, I, I, I have a, an inkling of what your topic of bullishness might be. There was a comment in here uh, regarding it, but I'll, I'll let you take it first and then I'll try and find that comment, bring it up. So uh, what, what has you interested right now? <laughs> Hold on. That was, that was my NVK impression from, uh, from Canadian <laughs> Wi-Fi. Um, listen, this has been... You know, kind of a nasty downturn uh, that really started with just things going on outside of Bitcoin, and then that basically got some some crappy crypto companies wrecked, which dragged Bitcoin down. And I'm just extremely bullish on the silver lining there, which is that a a business model that was always faulty which is this idea of uh, what they call CFI lenders. So this is, you know, BlockFi, Nexo, Abra, uh, Celsius, Voyager, and a bunch of smaller ones, but those are kind of the big five, um, you know, gathering retail deposits, but them actually not being deposits by falsely marketing them as like high interest savings accounts, and then going out the back door and doing risky things with them. To varying degrees, right? So crypto.com is in there as well. So crypto.com and, and Nexo and Abra didn't blow up, but Voyager and Celsius involved. And you know, and then BlockFi, BlockFi didn't blow up, but had to shut down and took a 96% markdown on their equity. Whereas Voyager filed chapter 11. And I would say, you know, if Celsius makes it through next week without filing for chapter 11, it'll be like a huge upset. Um, this is extremely bullish for Bitcoin. It sucks so bad for the people that got misled by these shysty marketers and promised them this magic 
treehouse of yield uh, that was supposed to be like low risk or risk free. And I feel awful for them. I especially feel bad for the ones that like truly were misled and didn't actually kind of understand what they were doing and kind of understood the risk and were kind of, you know, the greed is a powerful drug. And a lot of people were just chasing that yield of, you know, double digits on stable coins. It's like, what do you think they're doing with that to generate that yield? Obviously, they're lending it out to somebody that wants to pay for that. And those are people, if they're borrowing from, from one of these middlemen, by definition, it's the best rate that they can get. And you know that anyone of quality can get a much lower rate if they want to borrow from somebody. So obviously it's low quality. Like that's just obvious. Now, that's not something that everybody understands. And that's where people like Alex Mashinsky, you know, uh, you know, basically should go to jail for the rest of their lives. <laughs> Probably won't be the rest of their lives, but wouldn't be bad if it were. Uh, because they deliberately fooled these people into thinking that the stuff was risk-free and then went and gambled them. And now, according to the allegations that came out in a lawsuit yesterday, it appears that they were an actual Ponzi scheme because, again, alleged to have been taking uh, deposits from new users and using that to pay interest to old depositors. That's literally a Ponzi scheme. So, I mean, just really, really awful uh, arcane research, which does a lot of good, you know, blockchain analysis and in the crypto space, whatever they, they went and traced Mashinsky's wallets. And it looks like he dumped, I think it was 80 million or maybe it was $44 million worth of Celsius tokens on, on DEXs to enrich himself, um, while telling everyone else, all these poor little sycophant hodlers of cell token that was 88% closely held by Celsius management and had no liquidity other than their wash trading. Um, just absolute abhorrent behavior everywhere. And none of this stuff is legal in traditional markets. Obviously, you don't have Citadel Ken Griffin out there saying like, hey, everybody, high yield savings account, you know, retail depositors, I'll give you 4%. I'll give you 5%. And we'll just go use this to like fund. No, there's there's guide rails around the stuff. You can't do that kind of thing. You can't go solicit from retail and have them, you know, give you their money and call it a savings account. So I don't know, it's just, uh, it's good. It blew up now. It's fantastic for bitcoiners to have you know a lot a, another boost of credibility to everybody that got siphoned off from the bitcoin movement over the last few years where so many people even if you don't even if you heavily discount their user numbers which i do but let's say that celsius didn't have 1.7 million users and had 600,000 or whatever like that's literally 600,000 people that learned how to buy bitcoin the wrong way into the wrong setup where their coins were rehypothecated, earning yield on on like their risky trading activities, you know, losing things in DeFi hacks and stuff, putting over five hundred million dollars worth of users' coins on freaking Anchor, which was an obvious Ponzi scheme, even more obvious than Celsius itself was the Luna Terra Anchor UST Ponzi. So, you know, this is this is great, right? Because all these people are up for grabs, and all the Bitcoiners can educate them and can be helpful, and uh, and I don't think that industry uh gets large again because i think people will educate about the risks and point out not your keys not your coins and, and look what happened when you guys went that way you know and so for for companies that are that are bitcoin only and providing on-ramp services like around the world whether it's us or bitcoin reserve or unchained or whoever all around the world coin corners and bull bitcoin up in canada like this is just it's a great moment because i think we can, you know, take share in the bear, right? It's a bear market and we can get noisy and we can put out great educational content and we can go and evangelize with all these people that just got wrecked, just like the class of people who got wrecked on ICOs, 
in, in 2018, 2019. And that made up a great cohort of amazing Bitcoiners, you know, the ones that, that got recruited in the bear. It's like basically my entire team at Swan. Like this is me, this is Jan, this is Quidem, this is Brady. Like we were all doing blockchain crypto crypto in 17 and found Bitcoin in, in 18, you know? And so I, I'm just excited to get, if this is, if that was getting people off of shit coins and into Bitcoin, this is getting people off of, you know, DeFi yield, CeFi yield, all of this risky stuff with your coins and understanding, you know, <laughs> it's just not the way. You just be be more focused on making more money and adding more value and stacking sats and like Bitcoin's purchasing power appreciation. I guarantee you will be enough over time. Just zoom out. Don't be greedy in the short term. There's no free lunch. I like that. I, I think I'm going to toss it to Lynn and, and get some of your, your thoughts on Corey's sentiment. And maybe I'm going to throw in one more thing here, but I, I saw something uh, and, and now it's escaping me who, who had put it on Twitter, but it, it appeared that a, a lot of the lending was just like a big circle jerk that eventually ended up in anchor. <laughs> is, that, yeah. is that the case? Is that what it was? So there, there is a lot of that. That was a joke. That I, it was a joke tweet that I put out and I put, okay. it in que- I put it in question form so that it wasn't an assertion of any sort. But uh, yeah, I mean, the joke was basically like what really just happened here was it just because there was a lot of this. And I did actually hear a lot of whispers about this in the last couple of, of months. And now you're starting to see it as their balance sheets come out in the in the um, bankruptcy filings. But you're seeing that a lot of times they would just get something off of their books and then like lend it back for somewhere over here. Anyway, my joke was like maybe it was just, you know. Alameda lends something at 4% to Voyager who lends it to BlockFi at 5% who lends it to Celsius at 6% and then Celsius just puts it on anchor. <laughs> it's the literal circle jerk. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. Lynn, I don't know. What, do you, what are your thoughts in around how, how things have uh, begun to uh, crumble the past little bit? So one thing I've been covering in my, in my research for clients is that if you look at you know, VC between say Bitcoin only or Bitcoin focused companies and then VC in the broad crypto space, it's like apples and oranges, right? So, you know, I, I, and like the, the traditional media still just completely doesn't separate any of this, right? There's like all Bitcoin and crypto. It's all like they're putting their, they're putting their brands on stadiums and stuff. And it's like really just the crypto ones were getting so much capital and doing these huge things. And whereas like the Bitcoin only stuff is like super focused and it's pretty utilitarian. Um, and so I, I, something I've been covering for a while, and it's funny because as more and more stuff out, comes out, it's even worse than I thought. Um, you know, basically, like the fact the fact that they were all lending to three hours capital, like is it's just like it's 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 smaller and more degenerate than even I expected. And it's something I you know I I watched the Luna thing. I, I anticipated that, but for example, some of the opaque implosions we've seen in some of these more opaque markets, you know, that's even worse than I thought it would have been. Right, so. I knew Celsius was bad, but the fact that so many different lenders were all kind of doing similar practices, uh, there's obviously a spectrum of, of quality there that some were, some were degenerate, where some were merely, you know, a, a different level, right? So there's, there's a spectrum there, but the fact that the whole industry was engaged in basically the same kind of thing was even worse than I thought. And I think that th- in the long run, this is decent marketing for Bitcoin. I think one thing we briefly touched on, but, you know, before he came on is that you know, on chain, if you look at the number of people like bringing their their um, coins on chain, 
is, is good, right? I mean, to the extent that the data is accurate, we're basically seeing, you know, despite the fact they have a huge downturn in price, you have a lot of, you know, smallish Bitcoiners jumping on chain with their stash. And, and from what I've been hearing, I, I, maybe NVK can talk about it. I mean, I think we have, we have decent numbers in like the hardware uh, industry because, you know, I think people are learning uh, important lessons from all this. We, we had a huge uptick in sales for harder wallets in a bear market, like at the bottom, which is like unheard of, right? Like it never happens like that. We were already expecting, right? Hey, you know, screw sales. We're just going to go do our own thing now, build products. But then it's like, oh, why is, is that the warehouse behind on, on shipping? And, and we go look and it's like, holy shit. Like there was like normal bull market sales at this month. And so do you owe Corey a check or what? How's yeah, that's right. Um, and, and and there is this, this, I was actually going to touch on that. This is beautiful thing now where back in the day when there were no uh, ways to buy shit coin like uh, a bit, uh, bit instant, uh, the, the the notoriously infamous original place to buy Bitcoin pre uh, post IRC. Um there were no uh, Bitcoin brokerages, right? Like Coinbase kind of started like that. You could just buy Bitcoin from them. They'll send you Bitcoin. That's it. But what I think was really cool that Swan does and Bull does is that like you have this place. It's a one-way place and they don't custody the sale. So like post-sale, it's like you take your fucking Bitcoin out of here, please. <laughs> like it's like there is no... They, they don't hold it. They don't have a wallet, right? So it forces the users on good behavior to start. I, I absolutely love this idea of having Bitcoin brokerages, not exchanges, right? Um, I, I think I think that provides a much better behavior in the market. Um, and, and, you know, and, and as Lynn was pointing, I mean, it, we can see that, that coming to roost now. It, it, it's like I've never seen this before. Where like you have users actually new Bitcoiners or or CFI burnt Bitcoiners, now Bitcoiners, <laughs> um, you know buying the Bitcoin, buying the hardware wallet, taking custody immediately, and moving on to their lives. Uh, I find it, that that's like refreshing. It's it's incredible to see, and it's you've seen so much of it, and it, it it's almost. It's exciting, but at the same time, a little disheartening when you see so many tweets and stuff. How do I self-custody? Like people just coming into the space totally unaware even the steps to begin doing that when that was that was effectively the default from, from the get-go. And then it kind of shifted to you get your Coinbase account and then that's your wallet, you know, or whatever exchange you happen to be using but like it 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 got perverted for a while but it seems like this this kind of cleansing is is making people kind of go back to the roots of of why this thing exists in the first place in, in you my know th that's something i don't like about my two big competitors and i i talked to them with friends with them leisure and trezor um they have their UI, right? And their UI is literally a feed to buy shit coins straight into the Carter wallet, right? Like, and I'm like, come on, guys, can you can you just like, you know, just let's just be friendly. Can you just like shave off the scrap and just come up with a solution that you know, if people are not buying my product, they just go and, and I can send them to you and they just buy just the Bitcoin and the rest of the crap is not there. 
because like people don't know and they get tempted, right? Oh, look, this one is cheaper than Bitcoin. And they press the button. This one went up 200% today. It says it's so. Just, it's green. Feet. It's green. Press button, right? Like it, <laughs> it, it, it's just removing that temptation from the screen. It's, it's really like a huge game for people. Yeah. Well, and, and I mean, you don't even offer up a screen at no, all. It's, no you know, screen. It's like you go, go find a third party uh yes. you know piece of software to interact with the device like that's i, I kind of like that idea where where somebody there's a bit of thought of like well, what do i what do i want to use this device with and uh, yeah i like that that separation of nonetheless um you need to make people think yeah 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 thinking is not a bad thing you know it's not it's not i i recognize i'm always torn with stuff like this because i i recognize the the a, 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 a single win is better than nothing at all. And like, if it's the difference between getting off zero and never having exposure to Bitcoin, then sure. But like, you want to get them, you want to get them as far down that rabbit hole as possible. And so, I, you know, I, I try to take the approach in when I'm teaching anybody of, you know, how, how, how tentative is the person in terms of learning, are they super worried? And then based on that, I'll say, okay, well, step one, just do this, do this one step, you know, get some Bitcoin, you're, you know, and then we'll go from there. And then, okay, get a wallet on your phone, take 20 bucks off and put it into that wallet, delete it, and then try and recover it. If you can do that. Awesome. Good for you. That's all you need. That's and then, already a winner. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's already way better than most people, right? Because if people, you gift them Bitcoin, they will lose. A hundred percent. Everybody gave Bitcoin 10 years ago. They lost it. Oh, for sure. Me too. hundred <laughs> percent of them. I, I had some guy like finally figure out he found his wallet and I'd give him like 20. I, I don't know why I gave him 20 bucks, but I gave him 20 bucks like forever ago. And they opened it up. And it was like a few hundred dollars. Like, yeah. And he's dancing around like an idiot. But, you know, like you have those moments where you're like, how much did I give you? Oh, God. Just like pissing money away um I, I don't do that anymore like i i let people ask me questions you know if they want to test you know I'll, I'll send like a lightning transaction back and forth or something just to but i find if you place value on something somebody will place value on it if you place no value on it and you're just giving it away they don't ascribe any value to that and so then it becomes like a oh i got this for free if i lose it it's no big deal so yeah yeah. Anyways, with that, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna round it out. I'm gonna finish up that topic, and 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 we'll uh, we'll do one more rotation. Rodolfo, I'm going to uh, I'm I'm gonna pass it to you. Um, I'm not sure if we touched a little bit on on why you're bullish already, but uh, I'm gonna let you run with it anyways. So, man, have at her. Mike's yours. Ooh, why am I bullish? Why I've been always bullish about Bitcoin? Um, because there is no alternative. I mean, there really isn't, you know, uh, um, and 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 it's weird to exist in a world where there is no alternative, right? I mean, I mean, like when when you really look around you, and 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 you see the things that like that that you required for your life, right? Like your internet, your food, your that you really need, you know, they all require money. Um, and you know, I was fortunate to have Brazil issues in my early days in life, but 
you know, most people in North America never had to deal with uh, uh, banking haircuts or, or bank freezes or things like that. And we live in weird times. Um, and, you know, the, the boomers have screwed the pooch. Uh, <laughs> they will leave a dumpster fire to the next generation. Uh, and, and they're very selfish generation. They'll take everything they can with them. Um, and, and I just I just don't see how everybody else survives long term economically and, and in freedom terms. Right. Um, and and Bitcoin is this like beacon of like hope, but just also like, fuck you. And I have all the firepower. Right. Like I have all the computation and I make I, I make your greed be my defense. It's just, it's just this absolutely perfect, imperfect system that that enables us to sort of still exist as as free humans on the next sort of whatever the fuck happens. I mean, like, <laughs> you know, we're looking at dollar euro parity, like coming, like you know, like we're looking at everything, sort of like gonna be in this weird state of like no collapse semi-collapse and 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 how to transverse that without losing your mind um and and still enjoying your everyday life right like and, and bitcoin allows for that like it, it gives you this this sort of like this this like actionable non-bullshit hope right like it's like there is this thing that if i can survive its volatility I'm out on the other end, right? And and you know, it's like in the beginning we're all in it because of the technology. It's a joke, but it's actually true because if you thought the Bitcoin was going to work out in the early days, you're either crazy uh, or you're crazy. <laughs> like you know, it was an experiment, and it was still an experiment up until a few years ago, right? And and now we have this thing that's like half a trillion dollars, and everybody has to pay attention to, even though it's only half a trillion dollars, which is absolutely nothing for a financial universe. So I don't know. It, it's just it's it's kind of like the internet when that happened. Like you know, in Brazil, I could access a library in a different world, in a different country. So like now I have I can access economically anything I want, and and. It's, it's it's a special thing, and 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 you know it's a special thing that leverages humans to exist uh, uh, without admin keys. Um, <laughs> it, it's uh, it's just it just never existed before. It's it's Bitcoin is Bitcoin. It's this new thing that just solves the problem. I I, I want to touch on you were talking about how this the existence of Bitcoin. It's it's like a tool that leverages all the greed that was exerted by previous generations and further empowers that tool. It, 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 it makes me think of, and I, I, I would have trouble like naming a character, but like in comic books or something when, you know, you have the heroes and they're throwing everything at the, at the guy and he's just absorbing all of the energy to like throw it right back at them. It's a black hole. Yeah. Exact same thing. Like it's, it's the more, that that the systems of old are utilized the more the money printer go burr as like a a, a way of 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 trying to channel power 
the more Bitcoin itself is empowered because it, the, the, the mere act of, of money printer go burr in the long run, uh, it actually hurts that system when there's an alternative present and it empowers Bitcoin over time. And I, I love that dichotomy of, of in the absence of Bitcoin, absolutely, you know, that, that money printer go burr, that's a powerful thing because you're literally reallocating value as you see fit because there's no other way to store it if everybody's on that particular standard. But as more people shift over to this alternative way, um, the, the, the tools that were mechanisms of power for those in charge previously become tools of their own demise in the long run. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, so you have the, the correct human or animal behavior is to acquire more stuff and, and grow its pile and, and reproduce more. Right. So that, that's just a natural human state. Um, and then humans through collaboration improved over animals and sort of like figure out how you can find a way of sort of like doing this a little better. So we don't all kill each other and we progress as a species instead of just like a single thing. So that's a standard, right? You have the, the, the human standard <laughs> in a way, right? Uh, how do we survive this all together? You know, kind of. So what Bitcoin does is it, it, it sort of brings that without a human, without having the back door for a human to sort of take advantage of the other humans, right? So we have a standard in which we don't have to like each other, but if you screw my standard, you screw your standard. <laughs> and that never existed before. Even with gold, that was not true. Um because you, you'd find a ways either through your armies or through your clipping of the coins or, you know, you, you'd find a way to, to lower, to, 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 to devalue or debase your currency somehow to get an upper hand on that and that trade, which is the natural behavior. And, and I think people forget that that is the normal human state. And Bitcoin prevents the human state from taking over the network. Uh, I, I don't know. It's, uh, it's beautiful. Is, is, I'll, I'll open this up to Lynn or Corey, but is is Bitcoin one of those inventions that recognizes and fixes default human tendencies? Is that what we're dealing with here? Do you want to take it, Lynn? I could jump in, but you look like you're going to say something. Go ahead. <laughs> I feel like the people want to hear from Lynn, so I'll keep it super short. But no, I was just going to say like, this just gets back to money being sort of such a fundamental good that we have. You know, I think it's probably the second most important thing behind energy that we can, that we can sort of use energy means that you have agriculture and some other things. So it's not quite as important as having this way of communicating value uh, person to person, being able to do that at a global scale, you know, near for free and near instantly is just a totally massive paradigm shift maybe the biggest thing since we harnessed energy, you know? So I'm just, uh, we're all going to change because this exists now. We've never actually had good money before. We've only had poor analogies for money previously or poor copies of money, poor imitations, I should say. Um, 
so yeah, by definition, we will, we will all change. We will change because the, the supply doesn't go up. We will change because we can cooperate with people around the world. Uh, kids in countries that have inflationary currencies uh, will learn math much faster <laughs> because they don't have to deal with like ten trillion dollar bills and you know my wife's confusion in in Turkey when like one day all of a sudden they chop six zeros off the lira and she's like how the hell do I buy candy now <laughs> so, anyway sorry I had to finish with some comedy <laughs> <laughs> Lynn I'll pass it to you yeah, so I see it similarly. I mean, I think that, you know, human nature, obviously, that's a very slow changing thing. I mean, we, but obviously, this technology around us dictates what kind of things we do and who we become, right? So, for example, the fact that we all like walk around with like supercomputers in our pocket now and we're in global encyclopedias, that, that changes how we interact with each other and interact with the world, right? So, and I think that the changing the nature of money does something similar, right? I mean, if you're in a country where you know, you have high inflation or authoritarian issues, the more widespread Bitcoin is there, that that makes a difference, right? And so, for example, I view it as asymmetric, kind of anti-authoritarian, anti-inflation technology. And I think that's something that is, it's good that the world has that. And it's, you know, kind of going back to the thing of like, is it a discover and invention? I think that something like it was inevitable. Once we, once you have a certain number of pieces of technology, something, it was inevitable that someone was going to put the pieces together, but it's amazing that the, the first person who put it together wasn't like a scammer. Imagine if someone was like the smartest Satoshi, but it was like a scammer and just was like made Bitcoin, but like did a pre-mine and like was like a, a weird personality and like didn't leave. Right. That'd be, that would have like kind of tainted the whole thing. And the fact that the, the person who actually kind of put the pieces together, just kind of put it out there and updated a little bit and then left. And it had just like a really down to earth personality, did no pre-mine, you know, it, it's, it's just amazing that it worked out like that. And I think that's, you know, it's kind of, I think it's, you know, it's hard to go back and determine the probability of that. But the fact that the first one was this well-designed, I think it's pretty remarkable. And you know Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. And just to finish my point, I mean, we so, you know, for thousands of years, money and people moved at the same speed, you know, the speed of foot, horses, and boats. Then, you know, we invented the telegraph and, and the telephone. We laid undersea cables. And then from there, we could update ledgers around the world instantly. But our money still had to move slowly, gold, silver, things like that. And so we had to abstract it more than it already was. We already had to abstract it for, for divisibility and portability. But now we absolutely had to abstract it just to keep up with our commerce. And then, you know, ever since 2009, for the first time, we have a bare asset that moves at the same speed of commerce. And that's that just slowly kind of rippling out to the world as we figure out what that means. Yeah, just just drawing on that, like the the, the Bitcoin design, it, it, it's so beautiful and weird. <laughs> Very weird. Uh, it, it's full of magical numbers. And everybody knows that when you program and when you design a system, you don't add magical numbers because that never ends well. Uh, and, and Bitcoin is weird that way because it's essentially like a collection of magical numbers. You know, you have the, the you know, how the distribution works. All these things are just magical numbers. Somebody picked them and, and they're just economically absolutely perfect in relation to the technology, right? Like in, in all the trade-offs, just this magical trade-off system that like, even if Satoshi was a scammer, which who knows, maybe he probably was, right? Maybe he's in jail right now for other reasons. And and it doesn't matter that the system was designed in a way in a time where 
there were no other scammers. And, and if he was a scammer who did too much pre-mine, Bitcoin probably would not have taken off. You know, Satoshi could have mined a bunch of other blocks under different pseudonyms uh, post the the, the pre post the, the first block right like for years after he could still be mining now I, I mean and and we would not know and you would not make any difference because the economics of it keeps the checks and balances right because if he was dumping it the system would have disappeared too so we have this extremely special and interesting thing that that has this magical properties right uh economical properties just uh, and that's why it's been so hard for anything else to come after that uh, uh, and, and take Bitcoin's lunch, because there is a lot better technology out there. <laughs> I mean, if you're being very honest, right? There is stuff that has way better privacy. One of the reasons why a lot of academics didn't like Bitcoin is because the privacy is, is atrocious. Uh, the cryptography is, is weird. Uh, the, the choice of curve is not the best. Like, there's all these peculiarities, right, that just were the right set of trade-offs. Uh, that actually pushed off a lot of people that maybe would have ruined the problem, the, the project at the beginning too. It, it's a, uh, it's a very uh, weird, interesting system. Well, it's like yeah, it's accidental immutability because if you look at the initial forum post, right? So Satoshi, you know, in the beginning he would just make updates and just kind of push, you know, just send the updates out and it was assumed that people would just update them. Uh, and you know, he even when he was asked about block size, he's like, yeah, we can phase that in, and you know, we'll just have to make sure people know to update, right? It's just like kind of casually assuming yeah. that. That, that you know that people are going to accept the updates and by leaving so early on in the process that's kind of what made this thing that was sort of this kind of normal piece of software suddenly become this kind of truly innovative thing where you can't know there's no one there to push updates to you here's and, a fun one that a lot of people don't know there was poker in the original client <laughs> there was like the, the the building blocks to make a poker casino in the original client like I mean, Satoshi was like definitely thinking of this as a, as a means of exchange for for a world that that is uh, uh, adversarial, right? I've got and, a question. And, uh, oh, sorry, Lynn, you go oh, ahead. Yeah, man. just to finish my point. I mean, it's so it's so hard for every other founder to step away, right? So, for example, Ethereum, they they've had difficulty bombs on the code, and it's been it's like seven years now. They won't let go of power, right? And so it's just remarkable that so early on in this one, they let go of power. And that's that's what allowed it to kind of become, you know, some incredibly immutable system. You know, Satoshi kind of had a little bit of a user revolt on the beginning. Uh, uh, like people were not sort of like taking the updates as much. Like it, it, it did get weird uh, uh, around that time uh, when he was like his pre-departure still, um, and, and uh, because because the, the dynamics were already sort of like correct. Right, the, the, the dynamics were designed so that he expels any sort of admin person from yeah. from the project. That's why there's always this Mexican standoff in Bitcoin, which is its security. Right, it's like the miners, the devs, and the economic nodes all pointing guns at each other. Right, like it, it, it's absolutely perfect. I had a question for you guys. So, to to Lin, I, Lin's point, I believe. Um, it's it's a, it is amazing that the first person to do this wasn't just some scammer that was going to pre-mine and do do all this shady stuff. If that had been the case, would would Bitcoin have even been possible? Because at that point, 
I mean, part of part of the reason why Bitcoin became as resilient as it is, is it had that that time to grow unabated because nobody realized there was any value there. Right. And so it had it had this kind of germination period where where it was just left alone, was able to grow. Um, and then everything that came thereafter in some way, shape or form could and oftentimes was tainted because, you know, obviously identifiable founders, pre-mines, uh, ways of issuing it that that, you know, were not, quote unquote, fair um, or just massive trade-offs in decentralization in order to achieve some feature that Bitcoin uh, didn't have yet. In a world where Satoshi launched Bitcoin, did some massive pre-mine, tainted it in some way, made it scammy, you know, tr- tried to personally benefit in some some clearly nefarious way, would would the creation of a better system even have been possible given the framework that was set forth and the recognition that value could be had there? Would would we have Bitcoin? What do you guys think? Uh, just I guess like just two points on that. One is I, I highly recommend people reading a little bit on Bitcoin prehistory. Uh, this, the, the Nakamoto Institute has some great text on that. And understand what was happening at the time too. Liberty Reserve guys had just gone to jail. <laughs> um, and and E-Gold guy was having like, essentially like there were many attempts uh, by cypherpunks and other people too, completely unrelated to the movement to try to create a, a digital means of, of exchange that was outside of, of the, the, the bullshit captured financial system, right? Um, and, and, and every single attempt was miserable failure, right? It was either capture uh, uh, by network, by, by like bad guys or by the bad guys of the state. There was always something. Um, and, and, you know, Satoshi's true genius there was really solving a, a, a computer science problem, which is the two generals problem. Like, I mean, the Byzantine general problem does resolve the issue. And that's, that's, that's like, so it wouldn't matter like if Satoshi is nefarious or not, or anything like that, the invention, it, it's like, it's like, you know, do we care that Tesla had a, a drug problem? No. Like, I mean, he resolved, you know, a lot of like el- electric issues, right? Like, uh, uh, it, it's one of those things. Like, he solved uh, like a real scientific breakthrough, um, and 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 like the personality and all these things don't matter because it could have essentially just delayed, but but you can only delay electricity so far. I'm gonna. I, I know we're we're tight on time here for uh, a couple of you guys, so I, I'm gonna start rounding this out here. But I'm, I I just want to go around really quick, and I want to get any any final thoughts. And uh, and I'm also gonna challenge you guys. Just one quick question is to recommend a piece of content, whatever it may be, podcast, uh, video, audio, book website anything that you have found useful in your bitcoin journey or uh something tangential to to bitcoin 
Um, so I'm going to start, I'm going to start here with, uh, I see him grabbing something right now. <laughs> I'm going to start here with Corey, uh, final thoughts on anything that was said today, anything that you want to wrap up and then a recommendation if you can. This was fun. I love Bitcoin. Never been more bullish on Bitcoin than now, which is crazy because, you know, it seems like you'd be all psyched at Bitcoin 69K, but I understand now what the OGs were saying, like the, the bear markets are actually uh, happy times for Bitcoiners because you can just, you can think more, you can build more uh, and you can kind of make these connections that are going to carry you through the next time shit gets nuts again. Um, so since I was here in studio in Canada with all you fine Canucks, uh, mm -hmm. I have to recommend uh, Tomer Strolight's amazing coffee table quality, beautiful book. That's why cool. bitcoin and uh he'll be signing these at pacific bitcoin in november uh in the swan dome uh i already got mine signed and it's, it's a beautiful note that you guys don't get to look at <laughs> um but uh you know tomer like just smacked me across the face a little over a year ago it was probably like 15 16 months ago right at the beginning of 2021 that he started posting a lot of these medium articles and people started picking up that there was just this incredibly insightful and eloquent new writer that was putting out an incredible volume of work. He was just doing a new essay like every three or four days. Uh, anyway, just, we got to be friends. Um, we weren't just like immediately simpatico like I am with a lot of the swans. And I, and I really loved that. Um, you know, it took us a second to catch our vibe, but we just had such a a great mutual appreciation for Bitcoin. And, and I certainly appreciated his just immense talent. And uh, we were lucky enough to snag him as editor in chief for all the Swan stuff last summer. So we've been working together full time for over a year. And uh, I just think this book is, is a tour de force. And uh, it just really, if you haven't read much of Tomer Strolight's stuff, uh, you should definitely follow him on Twitter. And I highly recommend picking up uh, Why Bitcoin. And it's one of those books that you don't just want on a Kindle. Like you want to grab that, that physical book of it. It's, it's one of those ones you want to hold and touch and feel. Awesome. Anyway, that's my reco. I love it. Uh, and Tomer was just on the show uh, last week and he's, he's super awesome. So yeah, definitely check it out. I've, I've ordered my copy. So it's, it's on the way. I didn't get to pick it up at Bitcoin 2021. I missed him, but uh, I will have my copy soon. So awesome. Uh, Lynn. I'll, I'll toss to you. Any final thoughts? Any recommendations? Take it away. So I'll echo something that Corey said earlier, which is the basically that there's so much interesting things happening on Lightning, um, and that it's just you know t big pools of capital institutions. They're just completely not looking at Lightning at all. It's completely off the radar of, of so many things. But it basically, it's it's over the past couple of years, they really hit critical mass in terms of feasibility, liquidity, um, and you know, to the extent that I see all these startups starting to build it out throughout the developing world and throughout the, you know, the whole world, um, I, I think that's one of the bullish things to keep an eye on. Uh, and that even outside of Lightning, just development that's happening throughout the ecosystem to make Bitcoin better, more usable for people is huge. Uh, and it's, I forget who said it, but basically this won't be seen until there's another bull market. And people are like, where did all this stuff come from? It's because so many people are, are building it right now. And that there are people that are raising capital, deploying capital in the middle of a bear market, and it's super valuable. Um, for recommendations, I, I guess I have two. One would be swan.com slash canon, which is basically like a big learning resource that, that's user created that people can go to. Um, uh, I did one, but a lot of like tons of other people put together canons. And the whole point there is that everybody's kind of an expert in something. Um, 
and so it kind of it made a platform for a number of people to kind of put put a lot of content in something that they love and that they're passionate about, they're knowledgeable about, to kind of teach the world about that niche, that niche about Bitcoin and you know Bitcoin gaming, Bitcoin privacy, whatever whatever the subject might be. There's like a whole rabbit hole you can go down, which I like. And I to to kind of tie back to the Oslo Freedom Forum thing, I would also recommend Alex Gladstein's book, Check Your Financial Privilege. Um, I think that's it's it's kind of a t- looking at the whole thing from a different angle than many other Bitcoin books. Uh, it can kind of speak to a different audience, I think. Uh, it's based about the human rights angle of, of financial, you know, freedom, basically. So I would, I would say check that out. Awesome. I, I love both those recommendations. Uh, book is great. Canon's awesome. Uh, so yeah, awesome. Thank you, Lynn. Um, and Rodolfo, you are up last. Uh, final thoughts and recommendations. Take it away. So I, I've been having, I was having a huge hard time sort of trying to keep track of uh, apps and like uh, and projects, uh, uh, updates and new things and, and technical stuff happening because there's just so much happening in Bitcoin uh, that I started a pod completely uh, an un, uh, unorganized uh, and Matt sort of was kind enough to be my guest. And essentially... Uh, it's Bitcoin.review. I bought the domain. Uh, and uh, just just trying to gather uh, uh, project releases, new projects, noteworthy stuff uh, in a boring, boring way. It's not the price. There's no macro. There is no, like, it, it's just like, okay, this is cool stuff. People are working on some notes on it. Uh, project release notes. Um, and the, the first one was a, was a blast. It was a, a tweet in the morning, ended up recording in the afternoon, kind of thing. Uh, that's how the whole thing happened. And we're recording the next one next week. So, um, if if people do have uh, projects that are like amazing and and nobody knows about and or or new software releases, uh, especially if they're boring, please do let us know. Uh, you know, go to the website. There is a, a, a submit story there on the top right. Uh, you know, there's no sponsors. It's just we're just doing it for the fun and because I, I need a way of reviewing what's going on in the space every few weeks. So uh, uh, you know, we're trying that, and maybe they'll they'll get us some uh, s- some interesting highlights on on on, on new stuff. Uh, so yeah, I, I just wanted to sort of uh, bring that up there. Awesome. I love it, man. I love it. I'm going to be checking it out. Uh, everybody, I'm, I'm going to round it out here. I'm going to say thank you so much for joining me. Uh, I appreciate all your time. Um, this is a lot of fun. Fridays are always the best. I get to hang out with the coolest people. So I appreciate you all. And of course, you are all welcome back anytime. Thanks. This was fun. All right. Thanks, guys. I'll see you soon. All right. And everybody watching, thank you so much for being here. Fridays are always the best part of my week. I get to chill out with awesome Bitcoiners and just chat. So uh, there were a ton of people here today watching and commenting. I really do appreciate all of you. Of course, uh, as always, do like, subscribe, share. All those things are super important. They really do help the show. Leave a comment down below. If you're watching this via uh, streaming sats on something like Fountain or Breeze, smash that boost button. Um, 
Of course, you can help the show in another way. You can always hit up the previously mentioned sponsors down below. You can hit up uh, ShakePay. Uh, I am now all of all of my ShakePay, Leaden, BitRefill, Keystone, Bill Foddle, they're all in front of me now. Uh, and if you really like the show, you can always hit me up with a Bitcoin tip at my strike page. That is strike.me slash BTC sessions. You head there, you hit the tip button, you see a lightning invoice, or if you tap to the right, you see a regular Bitcoin QR code. With that, I am out. Have yourselves a wonderful day or evening, wherever you may be. I'll see you guys next time for your daily session. Huddle the Bitcoin.